Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello and welcome. Sorry, I sound a bit snotty because I am a bit snotty. Oh, this is one of my favourites so far. I don't mind saying it. Um, It's one of... Anyway, let's t- let's just get the admin out of the way. Hello, I'm Jess. How are you? If you like this podcast, can you tell other people about it? Cheers. Also, if you like this podcast, um, the reason I am able to do it is because some kind people, although not enough yet, um, give me some money every month. And it means I can spend the massive amount of time that it takes to, to do this podcast. And um, hopefully eventually I can grow it and stuff and do some travelling with it and stuff like that. Anyway, there's this website called patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash the hoovering pod and go and have a look and you'll see because um from as little as two bucks a month i'm swapping i think some really brilliant and unique and interesting extra content and interesting rewards um they're called rewards um and there's like different tiers of different amounts a month that you can give and you could stop it if you can only afford a few months of it or whatever anyway i think it's brilliant i i think i'd be honored if you if you give it a look patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod if you are one of my patrons already my God, I the love I have for you is big. Also, a couple of live versions of this podcast in January are the next ones coming up, 27th and 28th in London, in Islington, at the Hen and Chickens Theatre. If you want tickets, they are flipping, flying away. And I haven't even announced any guests yet, although I have booked some. I'm going to announce them in a batch. I think I'll announce them in a bunch, maybe next week. Okay, next week. If you want the last few tickets 
hurry they're at unrestrictedview.co.uk forward slash the hyphen hoovering hyphen podcast hyphen live also we you to become my patron if you give five bucks a month or more you get discounts on those tickets to all of my live events that's cool isn't it do you want to come and see me do some stand-up i've got some new material nights it's called honers club h-o-n-e-r-s and it's at the camden head in camden and there are three dates in december the third the sixth and the tenth there's been some reshuffling of the acts um, that i'm on with but they include people like bridget christie and josie long and Jen Brister and Susie Ruffle and Kiri Pritchard-McLean. Oh, I could go on, but I won't. Just buy tickets. They're only three quid in advance. I've done that on purpose so that you can afford to come. And there are still some left for those December dates. Go to wegottickets.com and search within that website for Honers Club. Okay, today's guest is one who I am so happy to get in the bag. I travelled all the way up to Edinburgh to meet Louise Gray, where she cooked me a wild rabbit, which has been killed as part of uh, the control around her local butcher's allotment. Amazing. So Louise is a journalist and an author, if you didn't already know, whose book, The Ethical Carnivore, totally knocked me for six. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll maybe have heard me wanging on about it, actually, that for months after I read it, <laughs> that's just probably only just been months, but for weeks and weeks after I read it, I just, it's all I wanted to talk about with everyone I met. The book is a candid and intensely compelling journey of hers, whereas an environmental journalist trying to question and justify her carnivorousness, uh, she spent a year only eating things that she'd killed herself. See, you'd heard of it, right? You'd heard of it. It's absolutely brilliant. And as you'll hear, She's just as fascinating, informed and compelling in person. Hence, I found it impossible to edit this one down very much. So it's a bit long. Sorry, but I think you'll agree it's totally worth it. You join us as I ogle her adapted recipe for World War Two rabbit, which incidentally, if you become a patron, will be in my December guest recipes, actually. And yes, so obviously I'm going to eat meat in this episode because I think it's a pretty unique and fascinating situation, actually, and exactly the sort of situation in which I would and will eat meat. I hope you enjoy it. I think if you any interest at all in in ethics of eating and where food comes from and and disordered eating we're pretty open about that then this will be this will be a juicy one for you okay let's do it <laughs> i went to print this out before you came oh yes isn't it cool that's amazing and some of Ooh. the recipes that we is that jpegs or is it it's jpegs i can feed them to oh, you yes it's a world war Two rabbit recipe yeah but it's, it's not because I haven't used lard because um, it's I, just, I just don't have, I'm not good at attention to detail. And, you know, I didn't really want to buy a block of lard. I just know I wouldn't use it. Golden brown fried rabbit. Yeah. Whoa. I just got my hands on my grandmother's recipe book that she yes, was given. I've got mine. Yeah, have you? Yeah, yeah. When they got married, they would be given a blank book with a few recipes already written in by hand. Yes, so that yeah. you would... Your husband would never go hungry. Yes, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Some of the mes- recipes in that are off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, what are some of the weirder ones? Yeah. Fried cod balls. Yes. My granny actually printed them out. Oh, wow. What an organised granny. She had an American cousin who did it for her. Okay, so I like it. it. Like, the detail's lovely because if, uh, if, if it's particular cake... She'll say fresh eggs or five-day-old eggs. <gasps> just presume 
that you're using your own eggs. That's a met that you'll have met the chicken and you'll yeah, have gone and yeah, got yeah, it that yeah, morning or yeah, five yeah, mornings yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, means yeah. you'd have so- also, oh, which is lovely, and um, it also the assumption there that the care and time yeah. that's going into cooking really is <laughs> meringues. Eggs, eggs must be at least five days old. <gasps> is there which science behind would that? Be. I guess so. Don't do something chemically that five-day-old ones do. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I've got those, and I've got my I've got my mum's book as well. I, I love it's such it. Such a nice thing, isn't it? But yeah, like um, I looked up the rabbit recipes because when I was writing the book, I talked about rabbit. Yes. There were quite a few older people who said to me, "Oh, I grew up on it." Really? Yeah, because in World War Two. Obviously, there was rationing of meat. Right. And so people would kill a lot of wild rabbit. And the government actually encouraged people... Um, to hunt rabbit? No, to, to raise them. Oh, great. So, you know the Dig for Victory yeah. book? I've actually got the Dig, Dig for Victory book advising people how to, how to garden. Yeah. And there's two really interesting things about it. One, they use like, quite a lot of chemicals. Oh, really? Okay. So not great for birds and bees and... Yeah, yeah. It was about feeding people. And two, they had, um, you know, you put a rabbit hutch at the back. Yeah. So a rabbit hutch was part of feeding yourself. Yeah. And yeah, people... So, but loads of people got... Not chickens. I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, I guess there must have been chickens as well. But rabbits are really popular and they had and they had those in the countryside anyway maybe rabbits are a cuddlier pet they were an easier sell as an all-round yeah 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 and to eat because laying chickens in this country um aren't that great to eat but you know all this all this interesting stuff that isn't in the book i found out like one of them was that people do eat hens and in fact egg chicken farmers have to be quite careful because when people come up to pick up charitable hens they're often people who just want free chickens and they're often ethnic communities or right. the french like cockle van you know actually in this country loads of chicken recipes are designed for older chickens right but, but you don't get older chickens for ages yeah. and but you don't get things. older chickens in the supermarket yeah because they grow them for <laughs> three minutes yeah. and then they're sold yeah so, oh wow fascinating um but these are yeah they're, they're all these recipes that i've adapted love it to make I don't and, think and I've ever some... eaten rabbit before. Really? Yeah. I thought you'd say that. My partner is like, they used to have a rabbit and something pie when he was a kid. His mum is an amazing cook and she yeah. would cook very English, uh, very hearty, homely stuff for them when they weren't away at school. And uh, and he has like really happy childhood memories of some kind of rabbit pie. Yes, it's delicious. Yeah. It's such delicious meat. Oh, I'm it's much tastier than um, chicken. I really hope mm. I haven't screwed up my recipe because I didn't really follow a recipe. I added apple and marrow because Amazing. there was loads. Yeah, so because there's loads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it. it is a delicious meat. And it is, in this country, you have to be careful because if you go to a restaurant or a butcher, you'll be getting French rabbit. Oh, will you? A Even lot a of the time. It, you know, a lot of the time, it depends. So you have to ask because... But like my butcher, this is where I've got it today, I've got it from George Bauer, and they actually they actually get some of them in from the allotment. Wow. Because they're controlled, but they get them from the countryside. Yeah. But restaurants that want consistent fat rabbits will probably get them from France. Because wild rabbits, you know, I don't know if I'm feeding you a buck or a yeah. doe, 
um, how tough it is, how old right. it is, how young it is, all those sorts of things. So it's chefs incons- are perhaps prioritising yeah, what the best. Yeah, yeah. chefs, um, you know what they're doing, be fine. But if you want to, yeah, it depends on what you're in what you're cooking. And actually, chefs sometimes want a young domesticated rabbit but no right. one's raising them in this country i know a chef who's wow. desperate to get people to raise organic surely he can commission rib. someone he's trying is it's he? called fred Burtman and he is trying in scotland i don't know if there's any um rabbit farms in england yeah. in dorset where i'm from there's a place called pig on the beach oh, there's okay. a place called the pig on the beach there's like three of them now there's one in the new forest but they have in the grounds they have all their own orchard and garden and everything. Yeah. And tiny little farm lot. And they've got all their own rabbits and everything. Yeah. Such a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted all the pets as a child, but never a rabbit. I think just assumed I'd get an evil one. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get they one can of the red be eyes. Really evil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can be really violent. And then that's the one you have for dinner first, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about your amazing book. I think it's so brilliant. I'm going to put links to it obviously, in all the podcast notes. I just wanted to start with a bit of brown nosing. I think it's very rare. I think it's happened to me a handful of times ever that I've read a book and then gone, oh, I think that's going to change how I think fundamentally. Oh, wow, OK. Um, and that's really exciting when yeah, it happens. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> and I think because I'd been working on my own disordered eating, but I'll talk about yeah. that later, but also in terms of just ethics, been really, really beginning with a flirtation with veganism that had become... Then I got more and more serious in that. Yeah. And I think when I read a book and it changes the way I think, most recently what it's done is taken me off a a very absolute and what was becoming a very firm and finite decision yeah, yeah. and reminds me to be more flexible and to yeah. never have finished making up my mind. Yeah. And I think what I'd been looking for in the way I eat and the way I source what I eat I'd been missing the point a bit, and your book made me realise it's actually a connection yes, with it. Yeah, and so I've got loads of questions around that. Yeah, really. yeah. It felt like that was one of many revelations that you had over the course. Yeah, it was of really slow. I mean, t- the, one of the reasons I was never absolute in it is I don't know whether this really happened at the beginning, but I knew that I would never preach something I couldn't stick to to myself. Yeah, and I know myself well enough and also people will potentially pick up the book in 10 or 20 years time mm-hmm. so I don't want to make promises I can't keep yeah and then the philosophical side is really interesting because there are such interesting absolute philosophers well I mean I think Plato and Aristotle and people like that talked about being vegetarian and vegan yeah. and not eating meat whether they did or not I'm not sure mm-hmm. because well, like Byron were meant to be vegetarian, but I, I don't think he was. You know, yeah. it's always been something people have said because philosophically it sounds right. And then there are modern philosophers who are really good. A guy called Peter Singer, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's amazing, and there's a very famous book which the name escapes me. But his argument is that we're equal to animals, you know, and we shouldn't be using them in any way. Mm. And it makes perfect sense. It's really powerful. Really, yeah. And you read it and you think, right, I must be like that. And then it, for me, it fades mm-hmm. with mod, with my life. And I have read other philosophers like Julian Beghini, who mm. he's written a book called The Virtues of the Table, which is looking at he, who is looking at things like vegetarianism and then to um, well, veganism and saying, well, what would happen to parts of the country where you control pests? 
what would happen to you know animals that hunt other animals and like looks it in the round and looks at a more holistic yeah yeah I don't want to say realistic because I'm actually quite having written the book most vegans and vegetarians are really supportive of it yes because most people or, or, or a large portion of people are vegan or vegetarian because they don't really want to eat factory farm meat yeah and then there are people who are fundamental vegans who believe killing is wrong. Yes. And I continue to have conversations with those people. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I accept a contradiction. Yes. People often say to me, is it justified? And you're like, how can I say it's justified when I have a gun mm-hmm. and the rabbit doesn't? Yeah. That's, there's no justice there. Yeah. So I'm not trying to justify it. I'm, I am, and I, re- and I explain, I never expected this after I shot a deer that I would feel defiant, but I did yeah. a bit because because it didn't. It does feel like you're pushing against something natural. You know, yeah. you're pushing against the love you have for the animal and life. Yeah. You know, you are a human. You appreciate all those things, but then you also sort of reach through that boundary. It's absolutely fascinating. That love for the animal and that feeling like you're pushing against something natural yeah. were you to kill it. It sort of feels countered in two ways in the sense that on one hand we're also just so much more squeamish than we've ever, ever been before historically yes. because we can be, yes, yes, because yes. we can have so much distance yeah. from what we're eating yeah, and we can consume things without any real time spent ever thinking about where it's from or what it ever was. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps it's almost anachronistic to... Maybe it's just a modern... It's such a modern feeling, is it, to be like, but I love the... I don't know. No, well, you're I saying well, the, are really, the philosophies um, are ancient. I think, um, no, exactly. I think that, um, you know, the Red Indians had, a, had a, um, a prayer to say to the animals, you know, yeah. and there's lots of stuff in culture like halal yeah. is really just a way to get your head around killing an animal. Yeah. So it's not... It's We've actually always worried about this and it goes back a long way in time yeah um like i said greek philosophers went on about it and there are whole you know ancient religions which which don't allow you to eat meat because of all these reasons and stuff we've always worried about it and one of the interesting things i learned when i did a a home slaughter of a pig was um after you kill the pig you spend all day processing it yeah in a community yeah. and you're talking about what you've done all day and you're making sense of it you know the comparison of when I went to abattoir and you walk away and there's no there's no way to make sense of it but yeah. when you well, um, part of the book was I yeah. think I sort of took a break at that point yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. it's just like I just think it's really awful take this sounds horrific yeah so but but I think that um, a, a lot of you know when we're doing it all together yeah we're making sense of it so yeah um, I kind of think we, that's part of the... And also just using what there is to yeah. feed the people that there are. Yeah, and you know what I mean, that's doing... very different, I think, to... I don't know. I think eating in a way where you're happy to use what there is in the sea and in the land... Yeah. ...is totally different to going, all right, I'm going to have a day off run, so I'm going to go and get the nine-piece bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, you know, so I don't think those people care any less. No. And it's really interesting, whenever you talk to farmers, they have thought about it. 
Yeah. And you've all thought about and it. And they'll love animals like yeah. more than anyone else you'll ever yeah. meet. And, even and have that, this connection with yeah. them. People who have to be, well, they don't have to be a sort of male. I mean, I guess it is an element of choice, though. I'd argue that it's money and class and opportunities and all sorts of things involved and in people that. who end up being slaughtermen yeah yeah, yeah. that is a quite well paid job but people have usually thought it through but they do talk about having to have a disconnect yeah and uh, people often said that to me about cognitive dissonance when you're distancing yeah. yourself from what you're like surgeons must have doing I guess so I guess so but then they, they, their, their ultimate goal is Saving yeah. lives, but then there's sort of men say their ultimate goal is feeding people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so not everyone sort it through, but the farmers I spoke to generally had. They didn't really want to talk about it. They generally had, and it's really <laughs> trying to make them talk yeah, about their feelings. Yeah, yeah, it was quite hard work. <laughs> and the really interesting thing happened to me when I wrote this book. Yeah, I'd be around people at a party, or maybe even just meeting someone randomly, and they knew I was writing the book, and they get me to one side tell me about when they had to kill an animal really? so i met so you've um, heard everybody's old, old men who'd, who'd accidentally killed an owl when he was young and then there was like someone who'd like their first rabbit and it screamed and gone round in circles someone actually talked to me about squashing ants and it was like they wanted absolution from their <laughs> guilt and they'd never been able to talk about it especially wow. men who often spent their whole lives hunting and shooting but they'd been taught really young to do it and they'd never had the opportunity to talk about it or how they felt mm. and they were almost like coming to me at this point and sometimes I was like I don't know what but it's really interesting that, that people do want to process it and talk yeah. about it and that was one of the motivations in the book is that you're either vegetarian slash vegan or you eat meat but there wasn't much conversation by the people in between because it was so shameful to admit that yeah. you eat meat and question it. because if you yeah. question it then don't do it. Yeah. Some people might remain in that camp. Yeah. It's not like in the past, everyone, because everyone says, oh, in the past, we all did it. Yeah. But we didn't, probably. We all shared it, didn't we? Yeah. And there were different roles for different people in a society. Yeah. Lots of people have misinterpreted the book and said, if you want to eat meat, you have to kill animals yourself. And I'm like, no, because it took me two years and I learned those skills and I'm going to continue to use them. To feed other people with well, them that might Well, yeah, get I mean, and it's not happening it. a lot because of my lifestyle but I ultimately can and I took it really seriously it takes a long time to learn how to use a fishing rod and a gun and things and I still haven't even started but I would at some point quite like to improve those skills and and, and keep with them so I didn't do it as a one-off and I think like doing it as a one-off wouldn't teach you anything no because each time you do that and you take responsibility is a big thing but I don't think you can do it and then it's sorted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I so I never thought people should do it, should follow me like in that sense, but I thought I was giving them if they wanted that information. But I guess when you get back to your friend who doesn't want to know, I find it hard to force people because lots of yeah. people have said to me, oh, you know, it's terrible, people don't want to know. And um, there was a sort of famous Twitter thread after George Monbiot ate some roadkill. And I remember one woman in particular who was literally like, I would eat chicken from a supermarket, but I wouldn't eat this. And he sort of went mental on her. But it was like, <laughs> he, he was like, don't you understand the contradiction, what you're saying? And I I don't really sort of get involved in those things yeah. because they can just go on. Um, but, I was just, <laughs> but I was looking at it thinking, 
that that person's in their silo and I don't think they're yeah. climbing out. So I don't know. I I'm I want to talk to people who who are willing. And I don't want to shock or appall people either. No. But then you don't... They, it's surprising they, how, how little it takes to shock and appall some people. Yes, yes. Um, like I, eating rabbit. Yeah. No, eating I'm rabbit would shock really and appall a lot of people. It. Yeah, it would. How yeah. funny. Yeah. I can see, in the positive way, a future where people are, through necessity and through caring about the environment, ethics. Yeah love of animals an increasing bent towards veganism yes yeah, 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 yeah certainly and i think it'll I mean, have to I, because yeah. the planet can't needs to take yeah yeah i'm interested in the potential unhelpfulness in the absolutism of those labels yeah and that's why i'm just going to copy you and call myself an ethical carnivore for now yeah. even though i'm going to you know i'm probably going to eat meat two or three times a year yeah, especially yeah, yeah. As i don't i, I, I currently i don't know that. that oh right yeah, yeah, yeah well i'm definitely going to eat i eat fish more often than that but yeah. again it's like i just want to make sure i take the time i just want to take the time to be careful about where i get it from i'm not yeah. i'm not purporting to going to be having the time in the next five years yeah. to learn yeah how to get it yeah. It, get it myself yeah. i don't know one thing i wonder if if the, we've got the rise of rise let's just to keep it simple say the rise of veganism yeah. or even vegetarianism i don't know you talk about having quite long stretches of that yeah and then on the other hand going but when i do eat fish and animals i want to see that that was an animal i want to either get it from a butcher's or a farm or or a fishmonger's where or, and buy a whole fish and see its head like see what it is don't have a fish finger yeah um, I, but, ideally yeah ideally ideally, ideally. Yeah. but say you get that ideal setup which would yeah. be my ideal setup yeah. for me yeah let's get this really into yeah. Yeah. this example the the only thing that jars a little bit is I find the longer I go without any animal products, yeah. the more squeamish I get about them. Okay. And I'll find yeah, that you'll yeah, yeah. walk past a carcass hanging in it. Mm-hmm. At the end of my road in London, there's an amazing whole carcass butcher okay. who's, I mean, just very lucky to have him yeah, right there. Yeah. It, there are days where I walk past and the smell will make me shudder yes, and the, yes. the sight of it will make me go, oh. Yeah. And, and I think it's just, and so I, I don't know, I kind of, I I must admit that 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 is quite interesting because for me when I was writing the book I didn't eat much meat like there's an appendix at the back yeah and then people assume I know a lot about cooking meat yeah but I only cook like two rabbits in the whole book yeah like one deer and things like that so I wasn't actually eating that much and it is about familiarity and skills and you know, whenever you walk into the butcher, you know what a few cuts, and there's so much potential in in all the other things you can eat. Yeah. But it does take time and money. Yeah. Well, time is money, um, I guess, because it doesn't necessarily need to make time if you can. Everyone's always talking about cheaper cuts, but if yeah. you want to know how to cook them properly, then you've got to take time. And yeah. If you know, most of us are busy, so it made it made me think when you were talking about ideally you want a whole fish and mm. stuff, but that's also quite hard work and takes yeah. familiarisation and yeah. so I guess that's I've got no, no one said that but to yeah. me before but I guess that is a difficulty in saying you're going to eat less meat but good quality it's quite hard work because you're not familiar with yeah you've turned yourself with, with, with a cooking it's very natural it's quite quickly you get this revulsion from the animal yeah, sort of yeah but then that's exactly the type if you're going to dabble in it yeah of animal eating you should do is the one that you've conceived as an animal I don't really find that I love the smell like today when I yeah. sort of I got the rabbit um, I wanted to get rabbit in the fur 
so I could tweet about it before he got here. But he, I went to my local, I went to George Bowers, and he was like, "No, I've given them all to the scouts to skin." Right. Cool, that was kind of a cool thing yeah. that he does. So I was like, "Okay, I have one done really badly by a scout," <laughs> and um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and um, and when I when I opened it, the smell. I think it's quite a nice smell. Mm. Gamey it, rabbit. Yeah. yeah. And it's familiarisation of what you know, but... It smells amazing cooking. But I've, I've always... And I don't like pork, and I've always found that a bit gross. And it's I supposed to be the closest to a person, isn't it? It's very natural um, what you're feeling when you walk past a butcher's. But I don't it's always just, have I, it. I think it's so interesting how... If a really passionate chef was there with you, it would mm. change your mind. Oh, I'm sure. You know, if you met those chefs, like yeah. they'll be like, "What about this?" and "What about that?" Yeah, and they're sort yeah. of slapping their own body, and and there's such um, a joy and respect in it, and that yeah. that switches you onto it. And there's also a bit of a fascination in the dirty yeah. and the, the grim kind of morbidity, and the, yeah, and, and the morgish. and the smells. Yeah. You know, those things like you think that's bad. But then, really stinky cheese smells bad. But oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not very good with it. But there are lots of things which don't look good. Yeah, that taste good. So good. So, yeah. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. There are two incredible statistics in your book. Yeah. That I, there are hundreds, but yeah. I'm going to try yeah. not to be so mawkish as to read your book out at you. Yeah. But um, the two I've got here are 94% of soya production is for animal feed, not for yes. tofu. And the other was that 30% of available ice-free surface area of the planet is being used either by livestock or to grow their food. Yeah. <gasps> and those both those statistics... And the soy one, yeah. that's GM soy, by the way. Okay. Most of that, I should think probably all of that is GM soy. Wow. So you're... Mayonnaise, yeah. Your eggs, your milk, most are from animals fed GM soy. But soy people make people often sort of go, oh, well, you know, vegetarians are eating all the soy, but actually, very little GM soy is being used in the production of tofu and things that vegetarians eat because it's such a small proportion of the market. Yeah. Most of it is for animal feed. God, so those those stats, yeah, are like singing screaming in favor yeah, of yeah, veganism yeah. vegetarianism veganism really yeah but because because i i you you hear so many people who say well you know the amount of soy that's being grown is yeah, just yeah. anything and, and then i read that and was like oh so that's not all going into corn yeah yeah um, yeah but off, two things off the back of those stats then and None of it there, going there may be no yeah maybe um and these may be two are two giant questions but um Number one, do you think there's anything that vegans are eating in abundance which is fucking the planet? Uh, which isn't what? Is which is bad, for, like, you know, environmentally. Oh, bad for the planet. As, as much of. Fucking organic. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking the planet up, I should um, say. Oh, yeah, everything they're eating is. Everything, everything you're eating the stuff is. stuff from far away, everything, everything you're what eating. What do you is. think? <laughs> You know, like I know that my avocados have screwed the whole one of the edges of Peru. Yeah, yeah, and it's all coming from a melting glacier in Peru. So, a melting glacier in Peru is a big melting glacier, and it coming down. It's um, irrigating these orchards. It is a good thing until the glacier runs out. But we're effectively eating climate change. Yeah, I'm kind of ahead of myself. My next book here, but 
I think pretty much everything has an impact. And I know a few people, and the few people I know who I'd say don't... Don't have an impact. Don't have an impact are... Oh, God. About 60 years old, and they're just... Are they freegans? No, they're proper, gentle, good, kind hippies who know how to make yoghurt and um, the difference between um, and how to store apples and and how to store potatoes and how to get a free pheasant and they minimise where the rest of their food's coming from. I wish I could be like that, but I'm not. Yeah. But I hope I am one day. Those, and I'm, I'm pretty sure probably the freegans too. I struggle with it sometimes because I'm like, it's not I know I can do it. I just, I'm like, do you occasionally wobble? Yeah. And if you wobble, do you lie? Yeah. Or it, or is there shame? Or, or is there shame? Or do, do or does one sort of talk about it? so? So veganism, I'm not. Whenever anyone comes to me, I'm like, "Good for you." Yeah. I, I don't care, by the way. But well, I don't care what you eat in terms of you must make your own decisions. But I can tell you, you've probably got a lower carbon footprint. Yeah, great. And no animals suffered. Yeah. And frankly, in a world where you can, where lots of people are really struggling to do anything to be good for the planet, then that's great. They yeah. can do that. So um, I don't criticise it. But when you ask. Are there anything vegans are eating that fuck up the planet? I say, really lots, quite of stuff. a lot. Yeah, like human existence is fucking yeah. up the planet. But Stop. you know, you as go down that line. Rule, as a basic practical rule, though, the further away it's come from, the less helpful you're being, planet-wise. Or I not. mean, possibly, not necessarily. So, if you're getting tomatoes from Spain that have been grown outside, that has a lower footprint than um, tomatoes grown in a greenhouse here. Really? Or um, lamb from this is a very famous one. They did a study that found that lamb from New Zealand had a lower carbon footprint because it's on such a scale right. in New Zealand, and because of the weather. And then you put it into it's all in a massive cargo ship, so it's relatively low. Whereas you've got um, sheep that are kept indoors over the winter and have to be transported by yeah. a lorry and all the rest of it. So the carbon footprint stuff can can tie you in knots. Yeah. I think thinking about where your food comes from, it does tie in knots. It, that's what it continues to do. But it just strikes me that's why I wrote the book. Like yeah. When I say everything no, you, you do... No, you don't come out of it up thinking, the, yeah. oh, I've got all the answers. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I know how but to it's kind it. of one of the reasons I wrote the book is like yeah. when I said, oh, everything you do, like existing as a human screws up the planet. I mean, if you're an environment writer... <laughs> yeah. That is what you wake up in the morning one day thinking and you can either think, oh my God, it's over or choose something that yeah. you can do. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, that thing was food. Say scrum diddly umptious. No! And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you got a leg and saddle? I've got a leg and a saddle. And a, well, a bit of saddle. Right. Incredible. Look at a great big long carrot. No! Rabbit and carrot. Raw beans, no? Runners. 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 And tell me what the carrots are again. Well, they're actually called imperator carrots, and it's just because I'm weird and I've been visiting carrot farms recently. And so I got loads of different carrots. For your new book? Yeah. Visiting carrot farms. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. There's a yellow one. Yes. Um, and tell me so what the potatoes are called again. They're called pink fur apple. Pink fur apple. And then the rabbit is just wild British. Well, it's Scottish. Scottish rabbit. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. And it's cooked in loads of marrow and mm. apple because that's and what there is. And, and also a bit of bacon, which I wouldn't usually put in because I was looking at these second bottle of recipes. They said, yeah. Oh, do they? Oh, oh. it's a bit salty. I love salty. Okay, good. Well, actually, because I put the... It, mm. I just got ham and bacon ends, because you can get really cheap stuff at butchers. Mm. Like that. They're just like, oh, do you just want to throw that in? And it's salt, and then I put stock in as well. So that's maybe maybe that too salty. so large. It's not too salty at all. <laughs> With the apple, it doesn't... It's, mm. That's so tangy that it's... This is love. I like the rabbit meat. I love the rabbit meat. Mm. There was an article that went nuts a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, about a farm in Sussex or Suffolk where mm. they're doing lots of rewilding and stuff. Yes, um, I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she's written a book. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sounded really interesting. Well, she, and they do eat the animals. So mm. part of the rewilding is the control of the herbivores. Okay. So they want pasture. Yeah. But they can't have a a herd of cattle that just grows exponentially yeah so they control the animals and yeah. that's part of it but instead of taking it to the slaughterhouse they go out and shoot them yeah it's a big thing with rewilding because britain is a managed countryside yeah and if you release wild boar i've met farmers who've had their fields destroyed oh, really? by wild boar, and everyone's like oh you know they're such terrible farmers well that was their profit that field mm. of turnips it's, you know, you've got to be yeah. a little bit sympathetic. So some rewilding is is controlling the animals as well. Mm-hmm. And we need much more of that in Scotland because we've got way too many deer. Really? Way too many deer. So they're a great thing to learn and to go And no food. one disagrees with that. Right. Yeah, um, but the the it's so interesting. The um, I imagine I'll have a tweet the, from a vegan who disagrees oh, with that. Oh, yeah, but the history of <laughs> Scotland. Yeah. 
has meant that we've got an overpopulation of deer and most right. conservationists wouldn't wouldn't Can't disagree that. with yeah. that but what they disagree with is what has grown up to be the culture of controlling them which is rich people paying a lot of money to get a trophy okay. stag and that still continues yeah. in that what and to that, taxidermy and not to even eat oh yeah and that and that continues to this day and that also encourages some people to keep the overpopulation of deer up oh i see yeah to keep so the we tourism haven't of it yeah alive. so we haven't really agreed as a right. country in scotland what we're going to do about the deer Okay, but no one really denies that. Aren't right? I mean, even too in, many. In, well, I mean, Lyme's disease in England. Mm-hmm. I mean, England's got a big problem with too many deer as well, and in other countries, it is kept down by people who shoot. Yeah, and there's not so many people doing it in the UK now. Right. Mm. Well, well, there's people shooting, but for sport, not yeah. for um, food. And the different kind of meat you can get. So I've had muntjac. I've made a video about that. That's really delicious. Oh, really? Those are the little... You probably thought it was a dog if you saw it crossing the road. Would you? The tiny little deer. And it has tusks rather than... Um, Brilliant. Uh, well, as well as antlers. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of those in the countryside. Tusks and antlers. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a wolverine. Mm-hmm. That's I'll show a you real a thing. I'm going to Lake Baikal in Russia and, and seeing a stuffed wolverine in the mm. local museum. You know what I mean? That was ever a real thing. So Muntjac. So again, it's we don't know what's on our own doorsteps. You know, lots yeah. of people are running to the supermarket to get meat, and there's lots of really good meat. Yeah. In our countryside, which tastes better. Yeah. And it's more fun. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and you're eating something there's too much of. Mm. Yeah, and that was part of um, the motivation again for the book. There's a muntjac. See his little tusks. Oh, wow! Oh wow! Look, there's loads of those it did in the countryside. Did a boar make love to a? Yeah, a deer. <laughs> Does look like that. They're from China originally. Oh, are they? they? Yeah. I should have cooked you muntjac. Wow! Next another time. time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We'll do um, that next time with your vegetable book. Yes, yeah, yeah, completely wrong topic. Yeah. But, you know, let's just have When in Rome. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so that was one of the motivations of the book in mm. that at the beginning, I'll just take you through the why I did it. I was yeah. like, I ought to be vegetarian. Right. But then I'd be somewhere like Scotland. Um, my family are all Scottish. And they'd be like, but this is venison I had to shoot. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, that's okay. But yeah. I didn't want to be a sort of vague, so I started the idea of only eating animals I killed myself. Yeah. And then I said it to people, and they weren't so fascinated, especially metropolitan men, mm-hmm. who were like, what's that like? I want to do it. You know, mm. They were so fascinated. And I just realised we didn't really know, and it linked in with what I was trying to write about ultimately, which was things we can do to live more lightly on the planet and to tackle climate change so then I decided to do it and I that's where it started really can you be an ethical carnivore yeah yeah Mm. can you be an ethical anything if Mm. you once you exist Mm. we're here making these great big footprints everywhere in any sense Mm. I mean the philosophical side of it I don't have a degree in philosophy but how I explain it is morals yeah. are rules and yeah. you you have to stick to those rules. But I read a definition of ethics, was, which was the effort to live mm-hmm. a good life. Right. So it's an effort to live a good life, the ethics of the ethical carnivores, the effort to eat meat well. Yeah. 
which sounds like a get out clause, I love but that, it's the yeah. effort to eat meat well. Yeah, all I the love eff- that. ethics is yeah, the ethic. I have heard, yeah, it has been defined as the ethic effort to live a good life. But so that's um, how I went into it, really thinking, okay, if I'm gonna try my best. What I'm I really need to do is only eat I kill myself, which is slightly extreme. But yeah. I'm really glad I did it, and I miss it. Amazing. Yeah, I really, I miss it. I miss. Um, well, like you said, you can keep it up. Yeah, a little bit, but I yeah. miss the, I miss the discipline of it. Right. Yeah. But for some of those things, it sounded mm. like it was a big adventure as well mm. to go and mm. do that. Let mm. alone the learning side of it. Mm. You know, it's not you can't. Where I, know, I suppose it depends where you live and how you live. But when you're yeah. in the city and you're yeah you know absolutely and, and people say i would like to do it and i have to say because i wanted to write the book in london yeah but i ran out i, I just couldn't afford to live in london yeah writing a book but you could yeah um but it takes quite a lot of time or money again so right. so you can pay to do these things or if you live in the countryside and you befriend a gamekeeper yeah you, you could effectively do it for free but you need the time and effort to do that. So I always argue you can do it if you want to for nothing. Yeah. Like learn how to kill and butcher and eat animals. But yeah. it is inaccessible. Yeah. I must admit it is inaccessible to most people. So that's why I wrote the book so you can read it. <laughs> Amazing. It's brilliant. Um, there's a brilliant, a wonderful line in the book about um, carnivores being defensive like mm. like dogs having their water bowl taken away mm. and growling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I've also had sometimes that experience from vegans as well. Mm. I think perhaps it's just a matter of absolutism. I know I've said that before, but I think mm. it's just, because it's there's comfort in feeling like you've chosen to do a right thing and mm. what you're doing is right. I definitely think it works for a lot of people. So, like I said, I have a generally positive feedback from the book because yeah. a lot of vegan vegetarians I know are pretty relaxed about it around the edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually think well, you said bit... often the things, the things that you had hunted, they, that your you had vegan friends happy to eat. Yes, yeah. One of the myths that I think I tried to break down the book, and I certainly have found after it is everyone's said. You know, there's that joke. You know, how can you tell someone's vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. Yeah. Actually, I haven't found that to be the case at all. I found most people to be really interested in my book and uh, willing to have an exchange and so there's a spectrum and most people fit vegan vegetarians fit in that as well in Mm -hmm. that if they've read it or they're interested in it they want to have a debate like any civilized person and they don't expect anything from how they eat there's a lots of i think it's a little bit of a myth that vegans are all sort of really extreme of course of course so but then at the either end of that there is um fundamentalists so at one end are vegans who are philosophical vegans who believe it's wrong to kill and and possibly quite fundamentalist and are angry with me okay but then at the other end of the spectrum there are people who love to eat meat who are angry with me because i've been pointing out where it comes from so i got it from both sides yeah 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 but less than i thought i would right much less than i thought i would i mean when i wrote the book i was really careful i started blogging and i Mm -hmm. put up pictures I tried to sort of gently introduce it just to see, you know, where I could push. Yeah. Um, because you can get some really nasty stuff. And I got much less than I thought I would. Amazing. Having said that, a lot of people who work with me, and they do tend to be, so far, the worst have been a female photographer and a chef. I've got very nasty 
stuff and, and you don't realize because as a journalist yeah. i've been a journalist for 10 years so to me You're online abuse on this, yeah. i'm like oh don't even notice yeah and some of it's misogynistic and i mm-hmm. wouldn't even i'm not even gonna say it out loud um but it's you know it's a murder ethical but worse mm-hmm. things than that or 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 like specifically towards a female worse things yeah. than that which frightened people who i who worked with me and that was horrible but i don't really worry about it too much because I kind of think those people would be doing that to someone somewhere anyway. But they'd probably <laughs> scattergun. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it, it upset me that it might put people off working with me, which it sometimes has. Oh God. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's understandably yeah. upsetting. I mean, lots of. Um, um, I mean, it did a little bit of TV, mm-hmm. but mostly they don't want to know, even though it's a fascinating subject, because. Of the challenges. And it doesn't work with TV. Like, you can't film yeah. The Killing of an Animal and Explanation. I think it only really works with a book because you've got to write about your feelings. Well, also, you, you take can, the reader with you. You can read a book at your own pace. I mm. mean, you can't read or hear something. Mm. You, I mean, you can pause it, perhaps. But who yeah. does that, really? I mean... Yeah. Actually, my boyfriend does have a sign. Sort of yeah. Because he's a The interesting thing was after the book, I thought, right, I have to be vegan because that's yeah. the next logical conclusion because I really did say at the end of the book the be- easiest and best things to be mm-hmm. vegan. So I did try it for a while. I think I did Veganuary and then I tried to carry it on. Yeah. Because I was planning on writing about it at that time, I also went and spoke to nutritionists and stuff because I thought I can't write about it unless I really know what I'm doing. Yeah. And they said, yep, it's really challenging. You have to know about all your food combinations. Mm-hmm. And I'm a bit lazy. And so I, did, yeah. I I didn't keep on top of that. So I ended up having binges and quite an unhealthy diet. Right, yeah, yeah. And then they also did say to me, I'm getting a lot of people who are, who are having trouble with their nutrition because they're vegan. That sort of yeah. made me think. Mm-mm. Yeah. And then I just thought, well, it was about... Um, control and mm-hmm. denial and all these things and so I thought I'm actually more interested in why I'm doing this yeah. and why people feel so great about it and then that led me to think about my own disordered eating mm-hmm. as a child at school yeah and to write a piece about that actually that's how I came across you yes yes yeah. yeah. actually to be completely honest with you that article had sat in a drawer for a few years since um and I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning him, a guy called Alex Renton, who right. wrote a book called The Boarding School Syndrome. And it's all about what boarding schools do to little boys. Right. And I read it and I went to boarding school and I thought, no one's talking about what it does to girls. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to most women in this country, Jess, and you say, Oh, pretty much eighty percent of my class had some sort of eating disorder, they'll go, Yeah. Yeah. Like they won't go, oh my God, that's awful. No, go, I know from this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. some people sort of do, but they're so, those sort of nice people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very, the type. Very you know, some filthy. people are like, oh my God, that's awful. And they're either a bit older and a bit naive like that, or they're just terribly, terribly nice. And I wish the world was full of them. Yeah. But it ain't. So um, most people will just sort of nod and take it for granted. And I just remember thinking, and that, that was a journalistic instinct kicking in. It's mm. like when when everyone's accepting something and no one's pointing it out, that's the story. So I'm yeah. like, you know, I've got to, 
I've got to go and write about that. And then I thought, well, I can't write about it unless I bring myself in. But I can't do that. Right. And then it was years later when um, when I suddenly realised, when I suddenly found myself in the position, I'm a food writer. Yes. And um, I've gone from an environmental yeah, writer. Yeah. yeah, to food writer. And I welcome that. Yeah. Frankly, people question this, but anyone who's a writer doesn't be like... I don't care what you call me. Yeah. You're not paying me to write that stuff I'm interested yeah. in. You can call it whatever. What you like. Whatever, yeah. exactly. So I was yeah. like, and also there's loads of really wonderful people and food is really important. And mm. I think sometimes when people put it down, they don't want to be called a food writer. It's because they don't want to be associated with the feminine and domestic because it's less important. And I was <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to um, reject that. I'm going to embrace it wholeheartedly. But I did find myself sort of tweeting about my lunch and all that sort of mm. stuff. And pr- pr- promoting a more perfect side of my eating right. than exists, yeah. and then trying to live up to that, uh, and then discovering really good food writers yeah. like MFK Fisher. She's my absolute all-time favourite, and they don't write about food; they really write about appetite and how food yeah. makes you feel. And yeah. I thought, if I'm really honest, mm-hmm. food makes me quite stressed. And then I thought back to that article and. Um, so when I explored the veganism thing, I went down a completely different road. Yeah. And I just don't think... Um, it just didn't suit me. Yeah. It's okay to say that. Oh, it's absolutely it's okay awful? to say that. No, it's brilliant. It's not awful. I think it's brilliant. And also, I'm on ex- I feel like I'm on exactly the same page mm. in the sense that it jarred a bit with everything I, 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 I've sort of been working on as well. I think it's... Um, well, first things first, you started that whole thing by saying you're lazy. You're not. Yeah, spent no, isn't years that awful, learning yeah. how to, mm. like, mm. kill things in the mm. most mm. efficient way, to connect with it, to respect it, etc. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not what a lazy person does. Mm. But also, off the back of that, I want to say I found a very similar thing through doing this podcast and having all these conversations with people about eating and actually talking, talking about wanting to talk about the joy in eating mm-hmm. I did feel like it was possible to do that without sort of outing myself f- at least to a therapist and then mm. it, and I hadn't expected to talk about it so early in this I thought mm. let's see within six months if it comes up naturally in a conversation depending on where I'm at in therapy and then my second ever episode happened to be with a, a woman who's a dear friend who was like mm. Let's talk about your binging. (laughs) All right then. But it was so it was so interesting. But what what it's also meant is in to promote this podcast, etc. Some of the I've so I've ended up being full honest about Mm. trying to be an eat intuitively. As the Mm -hmm. podcast has gone on, I've become increasingly anti-diet, anti-restricted eating. Mm-mm. I I know that for me, I don't, I'm not my wellest when I'm recording everything that I eat when I'm overthinking Mm-mm. it, when I'm overanalyzing, which sounds hypocritical because my pride and joy is a podcast all about eating. But yeah, actually, but, but I, I, won't, yeah. I can't count a calorie, I can't. And actually, mm. when I found myself going down the warren of stricter and stricter around the veganism a very similar thing where I was like this is I know that psychologically what's happening for me here is a type of control and rule set Mm -hmm. and it's a type of restriction even though you're not doing it for the stereotypical reasons and And so actually just slackening the reins is a really was very helpful for me and and maybe um, and I do sort of feel the need to say sometimes that 
it's not. I'm not saying that all vegans have got a control no, issue no, no, or something no, like that. But um, it, it's just perhaps if you were still working something out as I was, as you mm-hmm. were, then you know, recognizing that you're maybe using something, um, just recognizing what's happening. Yeah. Is, it, well, I suppose yeah, for yeah, us yeah, it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because we're yeah. we're we're writers and uh, we're at that stage in life where we are working things out and wanting yeah. to do things better. I'm not sort of being like, oh, I can't sort of touch a sort of sensitive vegan person i just think that um it's all getting muddled up between eating and all these sorts of things and but at the same time i think it's quite a healthy debate like yeah the body positive movement and the intuitive eating stuff i never really would have gone down that path except for i found myself writing about food and to be honest it really interests me yeah i think it's amazing um, and i think it's really positive because i do think that there are young girls out there who are able to look at pictures of Instagram yeah. with people of different shapes and sizes, and I yeah. think that's got to be a good who thing. Who adore themselves? Yeah, and and who are and who are sort of actively questioning mm-hmm. um, everything we've been mm, brought up to believe, mm, right? Mm, mm, mm. That's definitely brought up. Like two people who I think find fatness repulsive, pretty repulsive, mm, mm, mm. but simultaneously one of them <laughs> was a feeder. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so, I mean, and I think lots of people have that, right? Lots of people have mm. that, or some version of that. I think it's the first. It feels like the first time since I've been alive that there's something happening where it's changing, and we're not just mm. seeing something shameful in bigger bodies, but seeing something really beautiful. Mm. Um, and also, I don't know, same as when you were saying about talking that to diversity. nutritionists. Yeah, mm. we're talking about new dietitians, nutritionists' mm. views on veganism, yeah. and, and it's, it feels pretty divided. Mm. I, I want to, I also want to have conversations with a much broader mm. spectrum of those people, but the same things about, um, I think about sort of weight and health, I think mm. that's, there's some lot of division over that as well. Yeah. As a school of dietitians coming through that are very much connected with psychology, I think. Yes. Um, and actually overwhelming kind of... I, I feel that they're currently pretty swayed by the idea that... So it might be that physiologically you're less likely to die of a heart attack young if you're mm. in a leaner body. You're mm. less likely to get cancer if you're in a leaner body. Mm. I get that. Mm-hmm. That if someone isn't meant to be in a leaner body because of either their genetics, how hungry they are, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or how they're, or the different ways they or eat because it's not just body chef. hunger. Yeah, but yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, or because they want this great, great life. <laughs> yeah. Then, then actually, I, if, they're, if they're well in the coconut, if they're well in the head and happy, it's like you're saying, to be happy, to be as close as we can to happy, mm. then that's more important. Mm to me um can i just show that yeah. happiness thing that yeah we're both picking up our rabbit yes now and gnawing the, the bones off. it's really satisfying to have a whole ca- i think i've just eaten the end of a carrot but i think that's good i think it's good but um get the whole carrot but the fact the that you're picking up because you've got a leg and yeah. a saddle and when i was little my favorite bit was the saddle and you can't really i'm not i don't think i'm quite as greedy as i were was when i was little but I find that this is maybe a slightly twisted thing to say, but I find the top of the spine really beautiful. Really, and yes. I always wanted the saddle so that I could really pick at it look. and get this bit that's like a sort of tiara mm. or something. It's like a yes. crown. I mean, I'm quite sure our spines would be the same. Oh yeah, look, 
God, that's a really tasty bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's, that's where the, most the um, rabbity bit of rabbit. That's that's fillet steak. Is it? The fillet steak is runs <gasps> down the oh, spine. Wow. Yeah. So when you um, mm. butcher a cow or right. something big like that, that's where the fillet steak. I comes have from. actually done fillet steak from a squirrel, but it was. Have you? Well, it was with this gamekeeper when he was like, oh, the fillet steak, but he was very <laughs> um, skilled knifeman. Usually right. that's a bit tough. Like, but, but with a big, when you're looking at a big cow and it's hanging up, the fillet steak is that, those, those wow. you know, the muscles going down the side of the spine. Wow. So, yeah, that's us picking up the rabbit and going, oh, it. food and happiness. Yeah, it's food and happiness. <laughs> Had an Austrian grandmother who would always suck everybody's bones. Mm. She was brought up in the war and she, mm. well, wrong side of it. Yeah. She, um, <laughs> Well, <laughs> but um, she would, she would, there would be no waste. The interesting, um. She was like a sparrow. She mm. hardly, she was, she had this tiny appetite, but she'd wait, and then when everybody's scraps were left, she'd just suckle everything. <laughs> and as a child, you'd be like, Ugh. I was kind of brought up like that. And <laughs> no, then, it's very cool. When I was at uni, mm. I'd wait till everyone left the house, and then I'd finish off all their cereal. And then bike to school. And I was like, it was such an efficient way to have breakfast. <laughs> so I was sort of like... I kind of do that with other people's wine, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. mind sweeping. Mind sweeping, exactly. Yum in my tongue. When I wrote that article, um, I wrote a piece in The Observer about eating disorder badly in the past. And... And just about what I felt was a very common story for a lot of women that they might have in the past. And and just to sort of um, own that and mm-hmm. and feel confident to write and enjoy and keep trying with food, even though you yeah. haven't you haven't been good in the past. Because yeah. I sometimes and, I, and the amount of response I got from people sometimes with people who've been quite ill yeah. in the past but wanted to work in food yeah. and were treated in a certain way because right. people could see they were uncomfortable or right, they were right, really right. thin. And I was like, no, you can do it. Why not? Like, yeah. It's like saying every doctor has to be yeah, really yeah. healthy. Oh, my God. They're not. The only, the only person I know who smokes more reds is a, is a nurse. <laughs> I was going to so, say, nurses on a night out, night yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. But, so, you don't want them in your audience. But when, yeah, but when I wrote that article, I didn't consult any doctors or anything. Yeah. It was just from the heart, and that was what it was about. And afterwards, I got lots of responses from people and quite a few from parents talking mm-hmm. about their kids which I tried to respond to, not to tell them answers, because obviously I'm not a doctor. But I did respond, and I, then, and I did actually phone up a few doctors because I wanted to know that I was giving... Yeah, um, or therapists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that crossover has got to be much stronger. Yeah. And um, and it was actually doctors um, who I spoke to who, who were um, working in more, in more serious eating disorders, to be honest. But it was yeah. just to make sure, because I was saying to people... Basically, I was saying that talking is a good thing and stuff like that. And yeah. I just, like, I really have to make sure that's okay, bef- you know, before I give any advice to anyone who's actively asked me for advice. And they were really supportive. And then as I got to talk to them, it just occurred to me how important mental health is. And my article was really about, you know, what's happening to, was about women. And um, I guess often it's quite middle class women and all the rest of it. But there's this massive binge eating disorder happening in 
society as a whole where mm. people don't have much choice and they're being overloaded with lots of cheap calories and no yeah. one talks about that no one yeah. talks about the fact that people are people who are really quite ill it's a mental health problem mm-hmm. yeah and and i never considered that before or linked it to my and it's funny how or linked it to my own experience and it yeah. sounds like a kind of ridiculous thing to me say if i'm not doing anything about it but i don't know sometimes um opening up about your own issues and talking mm-hmm. to other people does kind of open you up wake you up to what's happening absolutely in the world <laughs> I also i get lots of contact from people in all yeah, sorts of positions yeah. and i think i'm not qualified mm. to help you but mm. I, but you know maybe actually just being honest about your own situation mm. 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 ongoing journey yeah as, yeah as much as you can do really they yeah. the people contacting us know that we're not a doctor or author yeah sure. <laughs> yeah um You've got some brilliant um, resources in your book, mm. uh, links to brilliant resources. For example, that Fish to Fork, which is yeah. a website where you can, basically, you can if you're out buying fish, you put the details of it in this website. So mm. it give you a scale of one to five, doesn't it? Mm. As well, to how good it is. And ethically. the Mar- Marine Conservation mm. Society have got an app. That's it. Yeah, they're mm. really good. And then Fish to Fork is more restaurants. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're both pretty good. And you you feel quite awful and smug. But not Getting it out, pretty yeah. Good, but <laughs> really, really good. It used to be a sort of little wallet brochure that you'd sort of bring out, yeah. But if, I was going to ask, if you can you hazard a guess, though, generally, that if you're at the seaside and it's a fishmonger's, mm. it should be pretty ethical to eat? No, not no. at all. No, really? All. So the reason is, is because... Fishmonk has got to make a living, right? Yeah. So how likely is it that the five fish that we eat, which is salmon, prawn, uh, haddock, tuna... And cod. And cod, is going to be in his waters? No, no. But if you're going there and getting something that's not that, like a mullet or a bream... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but... Get the one you haven't heard of. Well, often it depends, because sometimes you walk in and you say, can you give me advice and stuff, and they don't really know. I just just don't want to be unrealistic to people. I know, I keep asking you for a really quick fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some quick fix Well, it's it's just, you often go in, and I I often do this with butchers, because butchers often have Danish ham and Danish bacon, because it's cheap. Right. So you do have to ask questions about stuff. But if you're by the sea and you go into a fishmonger and you ask for the local, they probably have got that down because they know that there is that, yeah. those customers. And I always say it's worth asking because then you think, oh, maybe I should get that in. Is there, ever, and is there any fish that, do supermarkets sell any fish that's like, not the big five, that's like... Yeah, they do. I mean, get. actually, Asda was Marine Stewardship Council. They, a lot of them sell things like um, River Cobbler, which right. is... Um, it's a pretty name for, um, I can't remember the, the official name, but the official name is something like Mud Cod or something mud like cod, that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Something, it's something, um, right. but you can, in, and that, that can be raised on freshwater farms. Right. And, um, and it's been sold. So they are actually doing quite a lot. Yeah. And they've got, a lot of them are signed up to the Marine Stewardship Council, but it irritates me that how many of them put responsibly sourced on the side oh, of everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and and people are like oh and you're like oh that means that's okay then but how the hell do you know it's tesco saying that tesco is responsibly sourcing they're judging it. themselves mean, with those badges yeah basically. and they sometimes they claim it's because it's better than the trade like this has happened recently with fair trade 
because they've got a better idea. But it's it frustrates me because I just think the consumer can't be expected mm-hmm. to believe you. Yeah. Like, you haven't been that great in the past. So yeah. I feel like um, they've got to... Uh, it would be nicer if they just stuck to like labels we can all understand. Yeah, absolutely, that, and that we're mm. honest. But yeah. then perhaps Brexit is going to fuck that up. Big yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm going to take a picture of an empty plate. We'll yes, have a book in the middle of them. Oh, I can. <laughs> and we're suggesting with photographers, I can gnaw something. Then I was like, Louise, eating pictures <laughs> <are> never good. <laughs> I love never it. Good. Oh God, I'm eating in most of my pictures. Um, I bought way too much of this, so I've, I'm wow. staying with friends in Durham this week. Amazing. Um, that's why I thought you were from Durham. Often. No, I live in London. Okay. Yeah. So that's really great. You came yeah. up. So these are vegan. An apricot flapjack, a chop. That's apparently peanut Did butter. You make it? No, there's this <gasps> incredible stall in the Durham city centre called the Green Gorilla. Yummy. And it's like marketed as being like strong yeah, veggie big. food with attitude. There's a big <laughs> muscly like? gorilla on the front. <laughs> Nor- your so northern cool. men that yeah. can make them. Then it needs to be um, strong and muscly. Yeah. So, I mean, God, this... But that's a biscotti brownie, an Oreo brownie, an apricot flapjack and a peanut butter flapjack. Oh, my God. I'll be amazing. honest, I'm not big into flapjacks, but I want to try both these I want to try the, I want to try the apricot. Do it. Flapjack. I'm just going to get my hands in. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Biscuit. So you like the rabbit? You like rabbit? I loved Will the rabbit. Will you eat it again? Yes. That's good. I need to work out where I can get it. Mm, I thought you lived in... The north, so... Mm. Mm. I live in South East London, but I, I spend probably a quarter of my life in um, Swanage in Dorset, where I'm from. Oh, lovely. My parents are still there and stuff. Lots of Just friends. Just local butchers. Mm. Yeah, we usually have local rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm. usually they will. Or game dealers. Okay. Or game, if you chat up a gamekeeper or a farmer, mm-hmm. you get all these things for free. Really? Yeah, especially pheasant. I love chatting up farmers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I grew up chatting up farmers. Yeah, yeah. Which is perfect. <laughs> Trump decides he wants the biggest dinner in the world and offers billions, probably of US taxpayers' money, for the biggest vegetables ever. One farmer <laughs> has gone nutbags for this and started growing a turnip so big it's actually used up all the moisture in the ground and all the nutrients for a 200-mile radius and thereby killed off millions of other plants and beasts in the process. She says she'll stop and denounce the cash and go back to a happy, helpful life, but only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, yeah. <laughs> carry a Fiat 500 all the way up Arthur's seat all by yourself just with a rope attached to a rucksack. It's sweaty business. But you do it! You're a hero! <laughs> but you're so tired. And you're yeah, like, it, you know that post-exercise was like, oh, when yeah. you're, you're allowed to shower or whatever, and then it's like, what, an hour later? And, the, it, and you're hungry. Yeah. And your reward is the feast of your dreams. Okay. So the food doesn't need to exist. It doesn't need to be accessible. Um, and nor do any of the answers to this. So I want to know what, you, what would be your dream meal? What would you eat? What would you drink? Who with and where? I think there is something so satisfying about uh my my favorite meals uh are either ones where you just have a really delicious starter Mm. and then a really delicious pudding and you kind of don't waste any room on the main course yes right so that's one type that i really 
love and it often means that you crash later on and right. you're hungry it's not really that healthy but it, <laughs> it, it sometimes is really meal. satisfying especially when you're drunk <coughs> yes <laughs> you know when you're drunk yeah. and you're excited yes and you're just trying all this other stuff so that's why so i was going to go in with that but then i also thought about there are times in my life when i've been out to dinner and it's usually not in britain because we don't think we're as good at it it's usually in the continent you know like France or Spain and where they know how to eat so it makes you happy oh, yeah. and so the alcohol you, you drink loads but you don't have a hangover and you never feel really full oh. so it's between those two things but I think I would have moderates I'm going to I'm gonna sort of choose food that I've tried before because I had an amazing cocka leaky soup once Ooh. with scallops in it but wow. they have to be hand dived scallops yes hand dived yeah. scallops to start and then I'd have roast pheasant mm. with all the trimmings. Oh. All the trimmings. I mean, maybe not Yorkshire pudding. I don't get that excited about Yorkshire puddings. Excuse no. me, you're wrong. No. Okay, anyway. I'd have roast parsnips <laughs> in there. Definitely roast parsnips and mashed potato mm. and um, uh, roast pheasant and um, um, what kind of... Oh, yeah, um, leeks. Mm. carrots like just a really lovely sort of hearty meal and then um pudding my favorite pudding in the world is raspberry pavlova excellent would it all fit together that's the thing i want to have a meal where you'd feel amazing you know Mm -hmm. like chefs really good chefs the ones who so i might bring in a chef to adapt all my flavors perfect what a great idea so that they become a story and etc etc yeah and and so it makes me feel amazing and the wine all suits it not so i get too full or i feel bad maybe this can take hours and, and it, it won't matter be because you're in such and there will good be company lots and, and lots of yeah. people. Would you? I love eating with people. Great. It's like I love watching TV with people. Yes. Like, what's the point if you can't talk around it and yeah. share it? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'd be quite. There'd definitely be booze. Yes. <laughs> I've got a favourite. Um, cider. Mm. <laughs> Me too. I'm a West Country girl. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Yes. So. As an aperitif, definitely, yeah. and a, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love that. Yeah, lush, get him. Yes, yes it'd be you. a delicious meal, and I love that. Um, like we talked a lot about how food can make people happy, and it's just like it's such a integral part of who we are and mm-hmm. how we communicate and stuff. So I yeah. think that. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, oh, in this country, we've lost this, or we've lost that, because that gets a bit boring. But we definitely sometimes, I think. Because it's so accessible and we're all moving so fast, I've forgotten how to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember to enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) What an absolute honour to talk to someone so frank, informed and articulate. I implore you, please, buy Louise's book, The Ethical Carnival. It's totally compelling and full of the most fascinating information and ideas, but it just seems to pour off the page. I've made it sound heavy, but it's not as effortless reading. And it really fills up your mind with insight and ideas and questions and inspiration. It's brilliant. And God, it would make an amazing present, actually, for anyone even faintly interested in where their food comes from. And Louise is on Twitter, at Lou, L-O-U-B, Gray, and Gray is with an A. So, at L-O-U-B-G-R-A-Y. The amazing article that she wrote about being a food writer 
uh, with bulimia is was in the observer it's googleable but it's also i've put a link to it pretty high up in the podcast notes so check those out there's i link to everything that we mentioned in these podcasts in those notes if you go to brilliant acast where the podcast is streamed from that's where all the notes will be and they're on them if it's written in capitals that means it's a link to a website it's a bit hard to see on that page so please tell everyone you've ever met about this podcast that's how we're spreading it that's how we're growing it you could do even more of it i'm sure you could do even more of it i know there's a couple of absolute winners out there who are doing loads of it and the rest of you up your game follow us on social media at the hoovering pod you can rate review subscribe i think all that helps follow me too at Jessica Foster Q. I'd love to see you at my live shows. They're all listed on my silly website, jessicafosterq.com. And that's where you can send me a longer message to if you want to, an email. That's what they call it, don't they? These days, in these modern days. And last but not least, if you've got any spare pennies, as I said at the beginning of the episode, please go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. And if you are my patron already, so grateful i'm so grateful you're doing top work come to the live shows in january while there's still tickets we've probably only got a few weeks left until they're all sold out unrestrictedview.co.uk forward slash the hoovering hyphen podcast hyphen live hoovering is produced by emma caution and the music is by mike greenway until next week happy hoovering 